With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. This is episode nine. We're back on a nice Sunday to record this episode. I'm your host, Jason Chen. Joining me is Michael Amato. How's it going? It's going well, Jason, but I bet you're doing a little bit better. Your Vancouver Canucks are oh an my God. inevitable force right now. Oh, my God. And the lone Canadian team that, that doesn't seem to be in, in turmoil at the moment. I've already looked up their schedule, and they don't play the Knights until November 30th. That's the true litmus test game. I thought Dallas was it, and they, they played really well. And I think the difference is the Canucks can actually, one, make tape-to-tape -tape passes all game and play 60 minutes. So, what about, what about next Saturday? Toronto, right? Leafs, Canucks? Next yeah, Saturday. I mean, we're probably going to blow you guys out because you guys can't play defense. <laughs> hey, you never know. We might get a bottom six goal. And, uh, you know. So here's the thing. Like, I feel like the Canucks always beat the Leafs in Toronto, but the Leafs always beat the Canucks in Vancouver. Because so, for so whatever reason. Start time in Vancouver. Yeah, that exactly. For whatever reason, we have to cater to all you Eastern time people and play the game in <laughs> Vancouver at 4 p.m., which is great because I can grab dinner afterwards, but it frustrates the hell out of me that that's the reason we're playing at 4 p.m. I would love more 4 p.m. starts as a as a parent with two kids that uh, has to do the bedtime routine. A 7, <laughs> a 7 p.m. start, you miss quite a bit of the game. So yeah, I'm, I'm in enough. favor of more 4 p.m. starts. Yeah, but I mean, from an outsider's perspective, what do you think about the Canucks? They look good, right? They look really good. Like they have, I think, a lot of players that have taken a big step. Like Pedersen was always good, but to me, he mm -hmm. looks like you know he's like a, maybe a top six player in the league right now. All of a sudden, yeah. Demko, unbelievable um, bounce back here for him. I know he had a tough year last year with injuries. He looks phenomenal. Uh, JT Miller is always solid. You know, I think he's one of the more. He, I think because of his attitude, he doesn't quite get enough praise but he's very good um very good player so he just jt miller just pouts when things don't yeah. go his way think of him as a toddler and rick Tockett <laughs> as like the strict parent that he really needed <laughs> yeah and you know again another guy that's gone to another level obviously quinn hughes so that's a yeah. pretty good core right there for for a team uh, in a division that's you know there's kind of some teams that um a little bit of flux right now. Calgary, Edmonton, obviously. Vegas looks really good. But I think the, the Canucks have a good good chance to keep this going. I think for Quinn Hughes, I think no matter if you're a big Quinn Hughes guy or a bit of a hater, you have to admit that he took a big step this year. No question. Yeah. And I think in terms of fantasy, he's tracking for well over 200 plus shots. Yeah. So that puts him in the upper echelon. I think he's totally leapfrogged Adam Fox for sure. And I... I'd go as far as to say that based on the way he's playing, maybe not 
Kale McCarr tier, but he's really close. You you could argue he's in the top two or three now with that with that shot volume. And there were signs of it in the preseason, right? Like he yeah, was yeah, done in the preseason, and he um, told everyone too that he was going to fire more pucks. Yeah, like I, I think there's probably not many defensemen you would take over Quinn Hughes right now. I think McCarr is one, and yeah, I'd be I'd be struggling to find to find another one. Quick aside. The Avs are struggling right now, so they just got blown out by the Knights. Are you concerned at all? Like, McKinnon hasn't really gotten going either. Yeah, I'm not too concerned. I, I think, you know, they're, they're one of those teams that they're, they're just going to go through some lulls, right? You can't play as good as they started for that long. Um, I know Yorgiev has played a ton, too. They don't really have a, a second option there. Like, that doesn't help matters. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, you think, like... As good as they are, they've also lost a lot of players in recent years, right? Yeah, like obviously, sure. like players like Nazem Kadri are not there. Landis Cog is out still, right? Those are those are big losses that are kind of hard to overcome. So, um, I think they're still going to be a really strong team, but yeah, I'm not surprised that they're having mm-hmm. you know, a couple tough games here. Yeah, we we've got we've had some big news this week, and I think none bigger than Jack Hughes. Yeah, that's that's a tough one, man. When he went into the boards, I think there was a huge. It looks like shoulder from everyone. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to speculate what it is. Could be shoulder. Could be head. But I think they announced uh, today as, as we record this. I think the Devils are, are going to play shortly. But it sounds like he's week to week. So yeah, that is a lot better um than initially thought so as someone who has jack hughes i will take week to week oh my god same and jack hughes was basically keeping my team afloat and i think losing him is gonna hurt because it's gonna be really hard to replace the scoring and and nico Heischer not being there uh he was injured for a while too the devils are gonna be in it tough they already Maybe with Hishia and Hughes, they're good down the middle, but now there's big holes to fill. And I wonder if that one player that could fill it is Dawson Mercer. Yeah, he's going to get a shot there. Um, he is definitely not an ideal time. I think a lot of people dropped Mercer because he yeah, you might want to pick him up again. Yeah. So if you believe in him now, um, you know, you can give him a shot. I think that one of the things I think about when a player like Hughes goes down. I think everyone's natural instinct is to rush and grab the player that's replacing him. So in this mm-hmm. case, it's Mercer. But if you look at Mercer, he's had a really tough start to the year. He has. Um, he's playing a lot, just not scoring. Yeah, no, not a ton of shot volume either. So my concern with doing that is sometimes you miss out on other key players on the wire that I think we're gonna we're gonna get to here uh, today mm-hmm. on the pod. But if you grab Mercer and you know it doesn't work for the first game or two, and the Devils pivot. You know, you could miss out on a Byfield, a Rossi, a Monahan that are kind of sitting out there now. So I'm more leaning to external candidates, but I can definitely see the appeal of Mercer. Mm-hmm. And I think this also doesn't help Timo Meyer's cause. Um, coming into the season, great banger league player, hits and goals, but he's not scoring and he's not hitting a whole lot. And it just seems like he's not really fitting in same as last season although he kind of got in a groove but now he's falling out of favor again yeah it's it's not he really had a slow start and then when he got bumped up to hughes's line he really took off and now he's lost hughes so um i think losing hughes wouldn't be good for anybody and and i think meyer definitely falls into that category there's probably like i don't know there's probably not that many players in fantasy that are 
irreplaceable, but I would say mm-hmm. like this year Hughes is one. Like it's mm-hmm. just like no really way to yeah to, and to I think it. and coming into the season too, like injury risk was one of the things that maybe people thought about with Jack Hughes. The speed that he plays at. And it, it, it didn't look like a bad injury, but you combine that with the speed he was going at and the way he hit into the boards. I wonder if going forward, kind of like McKinnon, when those guys who play at top speeds, when they crash, they crash pretty hard. And that's always a fear of mine. Yeah, he definitely plays at a very high pace. I mean, if there is a silver lining, um, the Devils only play twice uh, this week coming up. So you know, that's a good time to kind of have him out of the lineup. Maybe mm-hmm. hopefully he's, it's on the shorter end and he's back sooner than later and you only lose a few games from him. But yeah, never, never a good time to lose him, but maybe not the, the worst time right now with their schedule. Mm-hmm. Nice segue. Cause one of the teams they play this week or this coming week is the caps and yeah. Nicholas Backstrom just took a leave of absence, um, had a tough time coming back. He was coming off a bothersome hip. Um, didn't really get going, started on the top line, got dropped, and now he's taking a leap of absence. Kind of caught everyone by surprise. Yeah, obviously that that surgery is a really tough one that he had on his hip, especially given his age. It's it's tough to come back from. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he's you know one of those players that we, we talked about the Caps a lot, kind of being slow this year, looking like a really slow team. And mm-hmm. I think he was kind of caught up in, in that and being one of the players that was contributing to that. Obviously... At his age and with that injury, I don't think he has the the foot speed anymore. But even even before that announcement, I think you should probably have been looking at Dylan Strom as, as a good option. He's you know, been he's, really good. Yeah, I think he's up to six goals this year already. Playing with Ovechkin, who I know you know Ovechkin hasn't got off to the the greatest start, but that's still a pretty coveted spot, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I like Strom a lot. Um, I think Kuznetsov? he's just yeah, Kuznetsov. I'm. Again, he's really he, unreliable. And he is. That's that's a great word for him. Um, he, he's definitely capable of a lot, but I just don't trust him. There's so many players on that on that Caps team that should have good value, but they're just so unreliable for one reason or another. I think Kuznetsov yeah. inconsistent. Um, like Tom Mantha. Wilson, Tom Wilson injuries. Yeah, Mantha getting scratched. Um, Oshi injuries. You know, like there's so many players like that that. Um, it's just tough to really rely on. So that's kind of where I'm at with Kuznetsov. If you were looking for a sleeper on that team, would you consider Connor McMichael? He's one of their top prospects. Probably going to get a bit more ice time now. Yeah. Playing I center. He, I think you could definitely take a look at him. Um, there's going to be some opportunities there for sure. Um, it seems like, you know, Spencer Carver is a, a guy that is willing to give some more younger players a chance and some different players a chance in the top six. So He'd definitely be be someone to look at. But this feels like such a low-ceiling team. You know what I mean? I, I don't think they're going to be a good team offensively as a whole. Uh, I'm not so sure where Ovechkin is going to be at the end of the year, but he's certainly not in the running for the Rocket Richard at all. No. Yeah, I hear you. I, I don't. I don't see as many rosterable Caps players as, as mm-hmm. they, there have been in previous years, obviously, and yeah, it might take Ovechkin another three seasons to get that record. You know, I could see him getting, <laughs> I could see him maybe scoring in the 30s this year and and kind of having a couple of seasons like that just just to get it. I don't know if he's gonna gonna get another 40 uh, 40 goal season here. And and his, and his shot volumes was was down a little bit to start the mm-hmm. year. It was down a bit last year, so that's another thing working against him. What happens first? Ovechkin reaches the goals record, or Caps make the playoffs? 
Uh, I'm thinking Ovechkin gets the goal record. <laughs> I don't. I don't like where the Caps are trending. Um, yeah, same. They're in that. I, I think I've said it before. They're in that bad spot where they're not. They're not terrible, but they're not good enough to make the playoffs. So I don't really yeah. see any help coming. Um, I don't see a lot of free agents wanting to go there. Um, and they can't really rebuild, right? Because they're kind of tied to Ovechkin and, and almost him getting yeah. record at this point. So like they kind of just have to go with that and and see where this goes. But yeah, I could see them kind of having a slow rebuild where they're just going to miss the playoffs kind of by a handful of points for a few years and then eventually tear it down. It's hockey purgatory. That's what it is. That's, that's a good way to say it. Adam Fox placed on LTIR. So he's going to miss a minimum of 10 games or 24 days, whichever comes first. This opens up a huge opportunity for Eric Gustafson. Does it not? Oh, it sure does. Gustafson last year, if you remember, took advantage of John Carlson mm-hmm. being out, had a tremendous uh, few week stretch there. And I think he can do it again. He, he already had two points on Saturday. Um, he's really good at quarterbacking a power play. Beyond that, um, <laughs> we, we can debate how many other sort of um, positive qualities he has, but he can definitely quarterback a power play. The Rangers have a good one. Uh, Fox, like you said, is going to probably miss a month or so, give or take, maybe a little yeah. bit less. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Gustafson is probably it's, it's going to be kind of like he was in Washington last year. He was great while Carlson was out, and as soon as Carlson came back, um, he wasn't really worth holding on to. So, I think he's a pretty good. You know, I know I'm going to contradict myself because I said you should look for external candidates sometimes, but in this case, I would I would go Gustafson if you if you've just lost Fox. Yeah, defense is pretty thin most of the time. Um, yeah. If you're in a league with four or five D. I mean, there's just not that many good defensemen going around. It's not like fours who move up and down the lineup as easily. And in most cases, or in some cases, there's only either one or no D on the power play. To yeah. pick from. So the other thing is familiarity. So Gustafson played under Laviolette in D.C. So yeah. there's that familiarity and, and trust there. So I think if Gustafson's available, for sure, he's worth rostering right now as long as Adam Fox is out. Yeah, definitely. And that's a good point. Like if you're a defenseman, you know, and you're trying like you're trying to look for somebody that has offense, really if they don't get that power play one bump, there's there's probably not much out there right now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of actually another team that <laughs> I mean is really struggling, the Ottawa Senators not looking so good. And they came into the season with maybe as much hype as the Sabres as potentially like the Eastern Conference team that would break through. DJ Smith uh, maybe getting fired. If you listen to the Ottawa crowd, I mean, they really want it to happen. What's your take on them? Yeah, Brady Kachuk was not too happy with the booze. That was some interesting comments after the game. You don't hear that too often um, from a captain. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. They're, that, that Atlantic, like Detroit, Buffalo, and Ottawa, I thought all three of those teams had a chance to, to make a leap. Detroit seems like the closest one to doing that, but even yeah. they've been a little bit inconsistent. But yeah, the Sens, I think um, they're still struggling. You know, there's still a lot of holes in that lineup as, as good of players that they have. And, you know, obviously Shane Pinto is somewhat of a loss for them. Like he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's one of their top three centers. Ridley Gray kind of filled it nicely. Now he's hurt. Yeah, that's a that big one. Help. Shabbat's out. Um, I think the biggest, like if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, the biggest player to me to take a hit is kind of in Corpus Allo. Like mm. I think he was a very trendy 
goalie grab this year in a lot of drafts. I would I wouldn't even say he was like a zero G guy. I think a lot of people were grabbing him before the later rounds um, and a lot of the drafts that I was in. So I, I think that he's taken a big hit because the Sens just don't seem as, as strong as everyone thought they might be, at least to start anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, they're kind of like a, a team with a really good top six and a really poor bottom six, especially now yeah. with all those injuries. And, and they're mixing up the lines too. So Matthew Joseph, who I think has played quite well, is now on a line with Stutzler and Tukchak. Uh, Tarasenko gets dropped down. Drew gets moved around a little bit. And their defense is just thin. I, I think yeah. going into the season, um, had you asked me which coach would be the first one to be fired, I'd probably say DJ Smith until Mac yeah. pa- Mike Babcock did his thing. But with the new owner too, um, you don't know if DJ Smith is his guy, right? So that's yeah. another thing and, to keep an eye on. And I think a lot of teams with the salary cap now are like that, right? There's a lot of teams out there with a with a really good top six and then a bottom six that just leaves a lot to be desired. And you're seeing it in like Toronto, you know, they're having huge problems there. <laughs> when he spent a million and a half on Ryan Reeves. You know? Yeah, well, they're, well, they have elite players in their top six. And I mean, mm-hmm. I would argue they're more elite than the majority of the Sens players in the top six. And they're still yeah, struggling. For sure. you know, look at the Oilers, you know, McDavid, Drysaddle, they're struggling. They have nobody in the bottom six. It's, you know, as much as it's a superstar driven league, it's, it's not a league like the NBA where one player can really carry you, make a huge difference, right? Like you yeah. need that, that kind of talent throughout the lineup. And especially, you know, what? it's okay if maybe if you don't have a bottom six, if you have a really good D and good goaltending, you can kind of make up for it. But when you're lacking in all those areas for a little bit, it's it's a bit of a struggle. Yeah, because if you think about it this way, the best players in the NHL play about a third of the game. Right. In the NBA, they play, what, 80 90% of the minutes sometimes? Yeah, and a third of the game is probably like a little bit too much for some, but teams do that because they have no choice. They want to lean on them a little bit mm-hmm. more, right? And and don't get me wrong, like I think Stutzla's a great player. Brady is. is a great player. You know, Josh Norris, uh, Drake Batherson, Giroux, they, they have a ton of talent. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough when you have holes in your lineup. Like those guys have to be phenomenal every night really to overcome it. Yeah. Let's move on to some good news. eh? Like we're a bit down on this podcast so far. Uh, Cam Talbot, really great value right now. Awesome for the Kings. Quinton Byfield's rolling. What's your fantasy take on these two guys? Uh, I love Talbot right now, playing great. He was the zero G guy I I gambled on. Um, The Kings look suddenly really good, really structured, really deep. Um, Kind of the opposite. We just talked about... Um, some teams with, you know, not so good bottom sixes, the, the Kings have a good bottom six. They have good depth throughout their lineup mm-hmm. um, and they're really helping Talbot, like not to discount Talbot, but they're really propping him up. His numbers have been excellent. I think the only concern, and I think why he fell in a lot of drafts was his age. Um, obviously 36, you know, how many games is he going to start? Do you mm-hmm. see him playing 50, 55 games? I, I think well, at been, this rate, with the way he's playing, he has yeah. to. Yeah. So it, that could be where it gets dicey. But right now, yeah, you want to, you want to, you want to grab Talbot. I had a lot of people ask me if they should be dropping certain goalies for Talbot this weekend. And most of the time, it was a, an answer of yes, because Talbot is in a great spot. Yep. I drafted Talbot in one of my leagues and I could not have been happier. Uh, it was a little dicey to begin with because yeah. I wasn't sure what kind of timeshare they're going with. But with Copley struggling, 
Um, keep in mind, they still have big save Dave in the minors that they can oh. call up. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> but I think Talbot, for the first half of the season, I have no problems rostering him. The second half, I mean, we're only 10 games in. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But you're right. The Kings have such a deep lineup. I think even from a fantasy standpoint, Trevor Moore is a great option right now. He was one of your picks of the past week. He's been playing yep. great. Arthur Kaliev uh, served a suspension, came up, scored three goals in nine games. And then you go Kopitar, Deneau, Dubois down the middle. Fiala basically play on like your quote-unquote third line. And yeah. then um, Todd McClellan spreading out his minutes. This is as a complete as team as you can get. Yeah, and I think if you're that deep, like you can call it a third line, but it's really you just have a lot of effective lines, right? Mm-hmm. So I think Fiala's fine there. I think like byfield has looked incredible as well he's shooting Uh, the puck finally yeah not i think it's nine points in six games now um and i think the point i want to make about byfield a lot of people have asked me over the years like do you watch a lot of hockey do you watch a lot of (laughs) a a lot of different teams like how do you look for fantasy players do you just look at stats or is it okay to just look at stats and i always say you know try to watch as many games as you can i know it's hard watch as many teams as you can because Byfield is an example of the, the thing I've heard so much this week from, from people talking about Byfield is he looks better. He looks great. He looks more confident. He looks fast. So if you're looking at a game log, sometimes that can be deceiving. Like, oh, this guy has mm-hmm. four points in, in three games. That's great. But when you watch Byfield play, and I, and I watched him in Toronto the other night, like he looks like a much different player this year. He looks way more confident. And he's playing with Kopitar and Kempe. That's a great spot for him. Uh, on a tangent, so it's interesting that you raise that point because a lot of people ask me too, like, are you a box score watcher or are you a yeah. game watcher? I'm 100% all about the game. And a lot of people can watch the game and tweet at the same time. I'm not one of those because I feel like I miss things all the time. <laughs> and you're right. If you're looking for value, if you're looking for a player that's going to bust out or a player that you think is going to drop off, watch the game and yeah. watch how the coaches use them. And watch how assertive they are. So how are they with the puck? Can they take passes? Who are they playing with? I think a lot of that's really telling. Um, you could watch even the Canucks. I, I watch them and they feel like a really confident group. So yeah. anybody in their top six, uh, Horonic too, I was early on that bandwagon. I said, this guy looks good. I know people say, oh, he's playing with Quinn Hughes, but you watch him play and he's making the right passes, the right decisions. And he creates a lot of offense on his own too. So I'm with you there. Yeah. Like, and, and I think obviously, you know, everyone has busy lives. You can only watch so much hockey. I thought know. fantasy hockey was the I, only thing in our lives. This is what this podcast is about, isn't it? Well, I was going to say, I've got two young kids, so I watch as much hockey as sort of they allow and, and as much time <laughs> as, as I get um, before I pass out at night. But yeah, the more the more games you watch, I think the more um, information you'll have on players out there because sometimes there is stuff lost sort of in the box score translation. Yeah. I thought fantasy hockey was your favorite kid, no? Uh, it's it's close. It's up there. I mean, they don't cry. You don't have to change their diapers, you know? They're more frustrating, though, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we kind of mentioned about power plays before, but interesting to note from the Red Wings, uh, Lucas Raymond has moved up to the first power play. Mort Sider drops down to the second power play. They're running 2D on that second unit with Sider and Jake Wallman leaving in Gosses Bear on the top unit. I like most Sider in banger leagues, but this definitely gives Gosses Bear a little bit of a boost, right? Because he's going to be the 1D running that top power play. 
Yeah, and we talked about the Wings sort of 2D power play um, a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, they were running it pretty effectively. Gosses Bear and Cider were, were having um, some good production there. So, But as we kind of mentioned, teams don't usually stick with this for the long haul. Um, so kind of enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, Raymond is interesting to me up on that mm-hmm. first group because he's been kind of boomer bust this year. He's had, I think, three multi-point games and then been kind of quiet otherwise. So... Hopefully, maybe this gives him a little bit more consistent offense up there. But yeah, cider—that's not what you want to hear. Um, He—he's still so—he's still so effective with the hit block combo. He's one of those yeah. guys that can give you triple-digit hits and triple-digit blocks. There's not that many that can do that. So, I think he's still definitely rosterable in, in multi-cat leagues. But if you're just in a points league, maybe um, it, it's going to become a little bit more difficult to hold on to him. You think Gosses Bear is going to stay there the whole year, though? I'm kind of skeptical. If he keeps playing that way, I, he could. Like he, he's almost in the same vein as Gustafson to me. There's some some defenseman that can just run a power play really effectively, and Gossis Bear is that guy, right? Like he, you know, there's obviously he, I don't think he's like the stoutest defenseman in the world, the best defensive defenseman, but he can run a power play, right? And and teams love that, you know. Um, that's that's why they bring guys like Gossis Bear and Gustafson in, right? If there's ever an opportunity, they feel confident that those guys can do it. So. As long as he's still producing there and that power play is still clicking, I, I could see it. Well, I say that because Gossip Bear hasn't scored a point in five games. <laughs> yeah, well, if that if that continues, then maybe they they take him off. But mm-hmm. I, I think I think they like him there, and he was rolling early. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that's as much on on Gossip Bear as maybe the entire Wings power play. But yeah, fair. We'll we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I just think Gossip Bear can be really streaky sometimes so oh, yeah. I, yeah. I i wouldn't be surprised if they switch this up this is not one of the power plays that's set in stone other than like maybe larkin and debrinkat are definitely going to be there um there are a few very few power plays in the nhl that have that run the same five people an entire season yeah no that that's a good point and i think that goes you know beyond power plays really any line combinations can change pretty much at any point mid game. <laughs> so you always have to, you know, that's why we, we talked about Mercer earlier. That's always my concern. You know, like if he has two dreadful periods or, tonight, are they just going to abandon it right away? And then they go someone else and that person <laughs> clicks and then you've added Mercer and you know, it, it's all changed again. So yeah, it, it is, it is challenging when you're trying to forecast line combinations. Mm-hmm. Sticking with power plays, uh, really interesting out of Minnesota is that they're running five fours on their top power play unit. Uh, so Johansson, uh, Boldy, Kaprizov, Joel Erickson Eck, and Marco Rossi is the five man unit. We've seen other teams try the five man unit. We saw the Sharks try to do it earlier this year. This just it doesn't last because I think you still need a guy who can walk the line on the blue line. And sometimes for forwards, it's a bit of like a foreign sort of area of the ice. You don't, you don't spend that much time there. So I, I really wonder how it's going to go. Um, what do you think? Yeah, and all it takes is one sort of shorthanded goal given up the <laughs> yeah. where a forward was embarrassed on defense for that yeah. to change very quickly. Um, I, I do like to see it, though. I'm actually really happy for Marco Rossi to get a chance yes. uh, up on that top line too. And playing well it, producing. Yeah. It just feels like it's been Zuccarello Hartman and Kaprizov forever. Um, and as somebody that always has Joel Eriksson Ek on, on his fantasy team, I always wanted to see Eriksson Ek 
up there on line one um, with <laughs> with Capriza, but I know they they like to balance the lines out. Boldy is up there with Rossi and Kaprizov now, which I think is a really interesting top line. So, yeah. and Rossi's been been really good. You know, we talked about Byfield. Rossi's another one that you could add right now if you're trying to fill a, a Jack Hughes hole for a bit. Um, he's got a huge huge opportunity here, and and yeah, it's good to see a guy that I think was kind of misused a little bit last year he was kind of playing you know in the in the bottom six at times before he got yeah. sent down i don't think he got a real real good shot so i like to see him getting power play one opportunities and getting top line opportunities yeah sam and i wouldn't worry about joel erickson x centering like pat maroon and marcus no, no. He, he, he puts up numbers and he that's why I, he's a must roster for me in a, in a mm-hmm. multi-cat league yeah he puts yeah. up every category coverage all the time he fills them so Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did want to touch on the sharks oh. and, and I think when you're picking up players, there's usually teams that you really look forward to playing against. <laughs> and after allowing 10 goals in consecutive games, I don't think I've ever seen that. Nobody seen that since like I think the sixties. I don't remember ever seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is this quite possibly the worst team in the world and therefore the team that you should always pick players that are playing against them for the rest of the season? Yeah, like it would be a good strategy. I mean, I don't I don't think I think it's easier said than done depending on your league mm. settings. Obviously, like if you have a, a moves limit um per week or or you know, maximum moves you can make during the season, it's it's tricky to kind of do that all the time, but I think definitely in a streaming situation, yeah, you, you want to look at it, especially if, you know, you see a situation where uh, the Sharks have a home-and-home home against somebody um, in, in, a, in a week. I think we were talking uh, before we started the show about the, the Leafs actually play the Sharks uh, in, in a home-and-home home later this year. So if you find yourself in that situation where you can grab somebody for multiple games that, that are going to play the Sharks in a week, um, that might be a pretty good strategy. But to answer your first question, uh, yeah, they're bad. Like they're <laughs> that, that, that might be the only two games where David Cap scores some goals. <laughs> yeah, they they have. I don't. I was. I wrote a little bit about them in my column this week, and I I noted that I don't think I've ever seen a team with less fantasy relevant players than the Sharks. Like we've yeah. seen bad teams, but they've always mm-hmm. had two or three guys you'd want a roster, right? Yeah. Whether it's for hits or or like every team, somebody's got to score score goals right someone's got to score points even on the bad teams you know the coyotes last year were not very good they had a ton of of rosterable players or a handful of rosterable players i should say but yeah the sharks do not look like there's anybody right now um that's even remotely worth considering even, even if they play four or five times in a week i don't think you're grabbing anybody yeah. well i was gonna bring up the fact that kyle burrows is quarterbacking their top power play <laughs> and it like in on any other team you'd probably think about picking that guy and rostering him Zero chance you do that with Kyle Burrows. Even Thomas Hurdle, I, I feel like he's not even rosterable in most 10 to 12 team leagues. It's not scoring, doesn't do a whole lot. Got yeah. no wingers to 
play with. And I, I literally think maybe if your league count saves, you might think about Blackwood. Maybe Kakinen. Yeah, Blackwood's actually shockingly had three or four quality starts, even <laughs> though he lost. Like he he's actually had some decent numbers. Mm-hmm. Hurdle, I think Hurdle actually. I think he ended up with two points last night in that 10-2 loss. <laughs> so, like, somebody does have to pick up the points there, but they're just not going to score enough, I think, to have anybody that's really relevant there. So. I think it's more alarming that the Pens allowed two goals against the Sharks. Yeah, I, I was saying somebody somebody is going to be the butt of a lot of jokes. Like, whoever the first team that loses the Sharks is going to be a lot of uh, a butt to a lot of jokes on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think with the Sharks... We kind of talked about the saves, but if there is a team that's playing against them, you could go down to the third or fourth line sometimes. And I think you could stream some players in that matchup. No. Yeah. And it's actually like, it's worth mentioning that it almost becomes problematic because like, if you look at the game against the Canucks the other night, mm-hmm. once it was six, uh, six, nothing or seven. Yeah. The stars sit. Yeah, that's what happens, right? So that's not ideal. Like if you have Pedersen or Miller or Hughes, like those those minutes start to get reduced, right? Yeah, and you for, see a lot of those depth mm-hmm. players picking up points later in the game. Yeah, because I think later in the game, on some of the power plays, they actually started their second unit. Yeah, and so you have to keep that in mind. But I do think that if the Sharks keep allowing ten goals in a game, that maybe we should just sit them out for the rest of the season because. <laughs> I mean, it's an embarrassing look for the best hockey league in the world to have a team this bad. Yeah, I mean, they're they're clearly actively tanking for the the number one pick. Um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if they win the lottery. But and yeah. I don't see them turning around because they're they're slow. They don't play fast, and every time they get the puck in their own zone, they're just flipping it flipping it out softly too, and they just get intercepted. Yeah. There's nobody there that can like take over a game and, and help you. Um, no, they don't have any guys who can create offense on their own. Like I look at Duclair, Hoffman's always been like this and he gets healthy scratched all the time, but guys who need players to set them up. If they don't have a playmaker, these guys aren't even rosterable. We, we kind of talked about how like even Barabanov, we thought, hey, maybe, you know, outside chance, 30, 40 <laughs> points. No one's going to do the scoring on that team anyway, but zero value from all of them. I would stay the heck away from that team. Yeah. The only thing I will say is if you get a team that's really bad defensively, sometimes you end up with some defenders that have good block shot numbers. So, but if like minus five. <laughs> yeah. But if you're trailing in the, in the, I, I think the ducks were kind of like this last year. If you looked at the ducks, they had a lot of guys mm. that tallied a lot of shot blocks. So if you're down in the shot block category on a Sunday night and Vegas is playing San Jose, maybe you grab a, a San Jose D that's been averaging yeah. two or three blocks a game and, and hope they help you. Out. That might be the only game where Alec Martinez doesn't have to block any shots. Yeah. Give him a break. He's always battling injuries. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, It's great that you mentioned the Ducks. Um, They look really good. And so does Lucas Dostal. Pick up? Roster? uh, Hold? I've been been waiting for him to fall off. But with the lack of uh, available free agent goalies out there in most leagues, he's a pretty appealing option right now. I think I can't see the Ducks continuing to play this well. Um, so I think it will fall off at some point, but mm-hmm. right now I take a chance on them. Like there's a lot of goalies that are, are really floundering and really struggling. And, and 
Dostal's probably a decent bet at this point. He's he has a, a good enough sample size. I think I think you know this year anyway to look at him as a streamer. Like it's not just one or two hot games. It's been mm-hmm. you know six seven now. So obviously I think Gibson is healthy again. So he's probably going to steal. Uh, you don't think that's a timeshare? No, I, I do. But I'm just oh, saying okay. if you're picking up Dostal, I think like it would have to really take off for him to to be like a, a starter for you and play more than right, right. once or okay. twice a week, right? And then if the Ducks do kind of regress back to normal a bit, then right, how many quality starts are you getting out of him per week? But I, I always say ride the wave while you can. Um, he's playing well right now if you need goaltending help or if you're, you're struggling in zero G. And I think like it's important to note sometimes with like if you're going with kind of bargain goalies and zero G strategy, there's not always like an easy solution where you find one guy that is going to fix your goaltending problem mm-hmm. for the season. A lot of times it's finding that guy that's going to help you for three weeks and then he runs cold and you've got to find someone else. So I think Dossel could be that guy that kind of carries you in the short term until maybe somebody else emerges. This is why I don't fully subscribe to the zero G strategy because I always like having like a Jake Ottinger or a Grogiev yeah. that you can rely on. And then maybe in the middle of the draft or late in the draft, you, you just kind of take shots at these guys. But streaming goalies takes a lot of work. It is. You have to be. I am a full zero G guy. I'm. Oh, my God. Like I you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable is, is the way I say it. And <laughs> I've almost I'm almost at the point where like in my main league, there's there's eight skater categories and there's four goalie Mm. there's there's a lot of times where i'm almost literally zero g like i'm not even really worried about the goalie categories as much because they're so volatile like right now i've i have markstrom and talbot in that league and i haven't added and i'm in third third out of 14 and i haven't added a single goalie besides them all year i've just kind of you know when they when they get hot and they make saves great it helps and when they i just save all my other roster spots for skaters so but I do hear you. It's it's hard to, it's stressful. Like you have to be able to. You got to stay go, on top of the news. Too. You do, you do, and you got to really like you got to know when someone goes down. Like you got to pounce, right? Like when you hear like Frederick Anderson goes down, like you got to add Kachekov right away, right? Or when you know Samsonov goes down, you're grabbing Wool or something like that. So you definitely have to pay attention. So if you give up the four goalie categories, though, doesn't that put more pressure on you t- to have to win the four, the eight skater categories? It does, but it's head to head. So you really, you just sort of need to win. Again, you're not, I'm not giving up on them. I'm mm-hmm. just not putting as many resources into them. So like, for example, I have Talbot. I've been winning some of those goalie categories because he's been so good. But when he goes cold, I'm not necessarily going to panic or because mm-hmm. I know he'll probably heat up again later. It's kind of like... And if you only care, if I only carry two goalies, I can carry two extra skaters. So I can get that many more shots on goal, that many more hits, that many more blocks than my opponent sometimes. So it doesn't always work, but I, I just find sometimes if you're adding a goalie, it's, it's almost like a, it's almost less than a coin flip odds that they're going to have a quality start, especially with the amount of quality. Goal. Like you look at this past week, like Uka Pekka look, uh, Lukanen looked so good for a couple games. So like, okay, let's add him. And then, Friday night was awful, right? Uh, Stuart Skinner looked like he started to kind of get a little bit of gra- uh, grasp on the net, and then he played Nashville and was awful, right? So, or sorry, not uh, Nashville. Uh, Campbell started the game. The game before that, anyways. I know it was a, it was a, a tough one for them, but um, it's just hard for them to kind of, you know, I, I find it's hard to grab goalies off the waiver wire with any confidence typically this late in the season. Um, sometimes you have to do it 
uh, just to try and save a category late on a Sunday or something. But I find I get more bang for my buck uh, focusing on the skater categories. How long have you been using Zero G? Uh, probably like five years, I would say. Oh wow, okay. I just I just found like the more there's a bit of a learning curve, right? There is, there is, I, and I just think my logic is, it, like, you can find goalies late in drafts or or even off the waiver wire yeah. that have comparable value to a lot of goalies you might draft in the first six or seven rounds, but you can't do that. You can't do that with a skater, right? So, like last year, if you yeah. look at like look at the top goalies, or not not the top goalies, but goalies that had a ton of fantasy value last year, right? Like somebody like Phoenix Copley, uh, Philip Gustafson, Piotr Kachekov, Stuart Skinner, right? All those guys probably weren't drafted in in most leagues, right? Even even a guy like Allmark, I think, was was not drafted in maybe fifty percent of leagues mm. last year. So you can grab those guys later off waivers, but you can't find somebody comparable to Sidney Crosby in the fourteenth round. Yeah, right a skater you can't it's, it's just it's, the goalies being such a volatile position and you factor in injuries so you mentioned demko demko's great but he's had that injury history right so if you spend say like a fifth round pick on the guy and he gets injured yeah really hard to replace him but if it's to a player sometimes i feel like you can make it up with the rest of your roster because presumably you have more players than goalies on your fantasy team yeah, and the higher you draft someone, the more committed and tied to them you are. I had so yeah. many people last year. There was guys like, you know, Demko, you mentioned, had a really rough start. Saros last year had a rough start. And everyone's like, uh, how can I drop this guy? I drafted him in the fourth round, right? But yeah. if you draft the guy in the in the 14th round or you pick him up off waivers, he, he goes cold and you have no hesitation. Drop and you're just looking for the next guy, right? So it's definitely not... Uh, a comfortable situation to be in, but I think there's it out. The pros outweigh the cons in the long term. Your cold, cold heart, <laughs> cold and calculating. Yeah, you got zero loyalty decisions. to any goalies. Speaking of uh, goalies, like the Leafs, uh, Samsonov and, and Wool is an interesting situation now too, um, yeah. because I thought Samsonov was going to get the game against the Sabers, and Wool goes in. And granted, it's not his fault. But I, I wonder how they're going to handle that going forward. It's going to be tough to commit to one or the other if they're both playing like this. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. Like Even as good as Wool was playing, I, I was advising people not to get rid of Samsonov because mm-hmm. it, it's still a situation where I don't care how good Wool was. There's no way he was going to start 60 games this year. They were going to keep it pretty close to, to 50-50. So I think it's a good tandem to have, and I think it's it's fine if you have Samsonov. It's fine if you have Wool. Still, I wouldn't panic and drop Wool, even though Samsonov's looked better lately. Yeah. I think I think one guy is maybe going to play like fifty five percent of the games, and the other guy's going to play forty five percent. I don't know who who that's going to be just yet, but I think they'll both have value. Uh, it's the same to me for Seattle, but maybe on a lesser scale because I think Grubauer is probably the worst of the four goalies. But Joey Decord's not playing as well as he could have maybe um but i'd still roster him just to see what happens it, it never hurts to just hold for a little bit longer no it doesn't and that's another option right if the crack can take off and he's there that, that's a good a good bargain option there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right we're nearing the end of the episode sleeper and keeper time uh do you want to make your picks all right uh sleeper i have nick bukestead um the coyotes suddenly a resource of <laughs> great forwards for fantasy i think he's got a six game point streak uh especially valuable in leagues with face-off wins and hits uh he provides a lot there 
and my keeper is Ilya Mikheyev. Uh, nice on, on your Canucks there. He looks great. Um, looks nothing like he did in Toronto. So he, so that's a good sign. He looks good. <laughs> he's he's finishing. He's putting up points. Points in six of seven games. The Canucks play four times next week. Correct. I believe, this week coming yes. up. So yeah, I think he's a good option to to give a run to. I think when Mikheyev is, he's still got a bit of a muffin shot. Uh, yeah. But Kuzmenko and Pedersen makes his job a lot easier. And with McKayev digging out the pucks and, and the Canucks being able to keep possession of the puck, finally, um, I think it really just helps boost his offensive stats. Yeah, uh, playing with Peterson helps for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my picks, uh, sleeper of the week is Marco Rossi. We just talked about him. I feel like he's finally getting his chance. I really like um, how he's played in the minors and i think he's going to translate that to the big leagues and i think playing with boldy and kaprizov should raise your fantasy value a little bit right logically i mean it's not too far of a stretch right if, if it doesn't there's, there's a problem so yeah, yeah agreed um my keeper and i've been kind of banging uh on the drum for this guy for most of the season is sean monahan um five game point streak including a streak where he scored a goal in four straight games. He looks fantastic. Um, I'd keep him for the season as long as he stays healthy because he looks like the Calgary version of Monaghan when we all thought he was like a number one center. He looks a lot better. He looks healthy and he's on that uh, Canadian's power play. That's a lot better than it was last year. So yeah, mm -hmm. I like that as a keeper. Are you still skeptical about this? The Habs? Uh, definitely skeptical, but they're, they're, they're doing better than I, Not I bad. they would. But yeah, I, I'm definitely more excited about them for they have a lot more players with fantasy value this year than they, they did in the past. That's true. And That's speaking good. of them, um, I would probably sell high on Jake Allen right now, wouldn't you? Yeah. Any, <laughs> any, yeah. Any Habs goalie that's that's on a little run. I, I think that's a good idea. OK. All right. Do we have time for one mailbag question? Maybe do you want to do one. OK, real quick. OK, let's do one. Um, this question from Nick Costi seven nine one. He asks, "Got a bit of a decision. I'm torn on. Currently have uh, Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, and Joey Wool. Gustafson just hit the waiver wire. I have first priority. Would you take him? I probably don't need him, but he's a hard one to let slip. Haha. -ha. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right now, I I don't think I'd take him. Um, I don't see Gustafson's had a really tough start to the year. He has. He's he's got an 871 save um and he's not in a situation where he's really got that that uh crease lockdown flurries there who could steal starts so if he doesn't pick it up i, I think he's gonna lose playing time mm -hmm. and the vegas tandem and i think wool's in a good spot too yeah i don't yeah. think i'd, I'd up, i don't think i'd uh, switch any of those guys out for gustafson right now uh agreed i think thompson and hill might be the best tandem in the league right now and that's probably going to continue bold you don't think that's the best tandem right now I don't. Omar, I, think, okay. I think they're Omar, two. Omar, Omar and Swayman. Okay, yeah, sorry. For me. Maybe in the West is the best tandem. Yeah, they're close. Um, okay. Okay, fine. <laughs> Fair enough. I agree. I but they're number two. Your point is your point is well taken. Yeah, and I, I do think the Leafs are better than the Wild, so I keep yes. Wool around for that reason. Yeah. Uh, second question. This is from Morgan. Captain Morgan 86. Uh, he asks... I'll have to drop a goalie as ideally would like a streamer spot. Just curious as to who you guys would drop was leaning Jari. So he's got Ottinger, Talbot, Joey Wool, and Tristan Jari. 
we had a bit of a debate on this one. We we did. I am agreeing with them that I would probably drop Jari. Um, mm. I see. I tend to be, and maybe this is the zero G in me, but I tend to be a guy that favors more quality over quantity. I know Jari will play more than Wall, mm-hmm. um, but I think Wall might have more quality starts. I'm not, and I think Jari's more of an injury risk. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of still. I haven't quite figured. Not the sold pen. on the pens. Yeah, I haven't figured the pens out yet. I'm not convinced they're not going to be bad. Like they haven't started off the best. Um, obviously, you know, playing San Jose helps, but <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. they're not going to play the Sharks every night. So, yeah, I don't know. Against San Jose, repeat times eighty two. <laughs> yeah, that would help them. But I, yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards uh, dropping Jari out of this group. Okay, so I was leaning Wool just because, as you said, when it comes to my fantasy teams, I do care about quality, but I like quantity because I like be, to be able to pick and choose sometimes. Yep. Um, I'm a big Jari fan. I think when he's healthy, I think when he's playing great, he's really, really good. But as you said, the injury history kind of hurts. It also depends, I think, who you're streaming. Like, what are you picking up? And how much of a category race is it? If yeah. it's like a long shot, then I probably wouldn't even bother. I might just take a loss in that category because I do think there is value in keeping Wool and uh, Jari, depending on how many goalies are available in your league. So it's it's a bit of a balancing act. Yeah, I never like to keep more than three goalies. I just think you end up um, like you'll end up having skater spots open when you could be plugging a skater. Yeah, in it's, there a, it's an opportunity cost. Yeah, so I don't like to go more than three. Um, Two, two to three. Two sometimes is risky if you get an injury. So three is, three is ideal for me. Mm-hmm. I'm in one league where um, there's max games played and it's a roto league. So having extra players actually doesn't help a whole lot. Yeah. So that's one reason where I think maybe hoarding goalies might be a, a, a good strategy to go. There are definitely plenty of teams in that league who hoard goalies. I, I kind of hate it, and I feel like I have to go along with it because if I don't do it, then someone else will. Yeah, you get stuck, right? So, yeah, yeah it depends exactly. on your league categories, I guess, and your setup for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, all right. I think that's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you for your questions. If you have any questions or if you have any comments, please reach out to us on Twitter or X. My hash my, my handle is at Jason Chen16. Michael's Amato underscore Mike. Uh, thank you for listening and we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>